2: You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White, an on-demand audio presentation of RedPeachSports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show.
3: Good morning, North Louisiana. What up? How goes it? Aaron and Jake hanging out on this Thursday morning. A lovely Thursday morning in West Monroe. John Tabor doing a fabulous job for us back at the Sports Talk 977 headquarters. And Rustin. We always look forward to catching up with the voice of the LSU Tigers, Chris Blair. He joins us on the Stuart Shelby State Farm Hotline. Mr. Blair, how are you doing this morning, bud?
4: Doing great, man. What a beautiful day down here in Baton Rouge. I tell you what, it's, uh, you know, temperatures about 50 degrees. Going to warm up, though, be nice and uh, spring like with blue skies and sunshine. So uh, couldn't be better. Another day above yes. ground.
3: Sounds like you should be a meteorologist. You could give us uh, today's weather report down in Baton Rouge. Well done.
4: there. Well, you know, I, I don't know if i told you this before, but back many years ago when I started my radio career, I played one on radio.
3: Really? Uh, I think you made a wise career path, though, uh, going into play-by-play. Well done. Hey, uh, we always like to drag you into our nonsense, so today's topic on Top Ten Thursday, craziest moments in March Madness. Uh, the moment or two or the play or the call that you would put at number one on your list
4: Chris Blair No again it was Leitner's shot to beat Kentucky Yeah, I mean that that, uh, it's going to be a long time I'd have to see uh, uh, a few more games uh, in the NCAA that that has more to it than that Um, I remember being a high school student watching my dad a proud Kentucky graduate pace the floor um, and seeing how that all unfolded. Uh, I think we talked uh, a couple of weeks ago about one of my heroes, Kaywood Ledford. That was his final game (laughs) as the voice of the Kentucky Wildcats. And uh, even in defeat, his team, if you will, losing that game, it was really his call was much better than Duke's. Um, So, yeah, that one stands out to me, and uh, I don't think that's going to change for at least a while until LSU does something spectacular and I'm sitting there courtside.
3: Chris, the, the other point of this, didn't uh, Coach K, as he was signing off, then just slide in and have a couple words with him on that final
4: broadcast? Absolutely. It was, uh, again, kudos to Coach K. I I thought of that very thing when, uh, you know, this past week he, he surpassed Pat Summit and, you know, had such an eloquent thing to say about uh, how impressive she was. I mean, it was just class act. Some people like Coach K, some people don't. Uh, I happen to respect him and like him quite a bit. But, uh, yeah, for him to come over knowing that the radio broadcaster for Kentucky uh, was finishing up a, you know, 30-plus, almost 40-year career, and Coach mm-hmm. K in that moment decides, hey, i got to go over there and, A, talk to Kentucky fans about how great this game we all just witnessed, and also to send K with Leppard off. So, yeah, it was a class act.
3: Mm-hmm. We won't talk a lot about the NIT game that LSU had versus Utah, but big picture, Will Wade's program and the Tigers as they move forward this year. Should it be considered a big success for LSU?
4: That's kind of been the story since I got back from Salt Lake, guys, to be honest with you. You know, hey, that was a tough night. Uh, Ran into a buzzsaw for all intents and purposes. That game was over after the first quarter. Um, But the story to me is this place, and this program is headed in the right direction. I mean, literally, Will Wade turned around an aircraft carrier on a dime out in the ocean with what he did this year. And with the, the guys he has coming in, I think the fact that the guys who will return to next year's team understand now a totally different way of preparing for their opponents, preparing for the season, preparing during the, during the season, uh, I think it's it, it those. The dividends that will be gained by the guys who return next year, plus the talent that is coming in, uh, I think has the potential to be even more of a you know, palpable, seeable, tangible result than even this year is, but you'd have to be absolutely just ignorant of the game of basketball, not to see the incredible change that took place here in this program, and um, you know, literally, I, I love to tell this story. You know, Will told me after the loss Monday night in Salt Lake City that, you know, when the wheels touch the ground next year, the work begins. Well, he, was, he lied to me. It actually started on the three-hour flight back to Baton Rouge. So those guys are already hard at work. And, uh, yeah, the bu- future is very bright. There's no question in my mind.
3: What will this roster look like next year?
4: No, I'm not sure. I mean, I think most of the returning guys are going to be back. I think they all certainly would be benefited by staying back, and that's obviously talking about uh, Brandon Sampson and uh, you know, and the like. I, I don't see anybody uh, outside of a transfer, which, again, that's I don't know anything, haven't heard anything. But outside of that, I don't see really anybody having the ability in their best interest to to move on, to, to try to go to the next level, whatever that next, next level may be. I think everybody uh, – would understand the benefit. I think Dwap Reed, who sent out, a, uh, I thought, a great tweet yesterday evening thanking Coach Will Wade um, as well as Aaron Epps, you know, believing in those guys and really improving their game. I mean, Dwap Reed at times really looked like a back-to-the-basket center, which you don't see a lot of that in college basketball to begin with. But Dwap Reed is not that prototypical guy, and we all can agree there were nights nice this season uh, against guys that he was bigger than and guys who were bigger than him. Uh, was able to really do that. So you can see in his game, obviously Aaron Epps, who I just think was underutilized for his three previous years here in Baton Rouge. know, um, he wasn't able to get consistency, but he also battled a foot injury in the offseason, started of the season, and it really never healed properly uh, and really gave him trouble throughout the season. But there were nights where he was spectacular. So if you, if you saw the, the improvement of their game, I would think if you're an underclassman. Uh, regardless of where you are, another year in his program can do nothing but help you.
0: The loss itself to Utah, going into that game, you know, coming off of an emotional win against ULL, and obviously had the 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 being banged up and being you know missing Brandon Rochelle um, going into that game. Did you feel like LSU just ran out of gas? I mean, it was kind of that's that's that was my takeaway watching that first quarter and seeing Utah score thirty points in that first quarter.
4: Will Wade would be the first to tell you to be successful at this level, not just out of conference in those type games, but in conference against the SEC, you got to be able to go about 10 deep. And even if the last three of that 10 deep aren't big scorers, they have to impact the game somehow. They have to be defensive stoppers. They have to be rim protectors. They have to be rebounders. Um, and if they get some points, great. That's playing yet. Yeah. That's what he would tell you. And that's exactly what Utah did the other night. Now, you at LSU was short-handed because of the losses this year for various reasons. And then, if you did have a couple of guys under the weather or a couple of guys who were banged up, every time we saw that this season, if they weren't able to go nine deep, and nine deep really isn't deep enough, but if they couldn't go nine deep, yeah, they really uh, have guys playing way too many minutes, way too many trips up and down the floor. And, you know, no, no disrespect to Marshall Graves, uh, he's a great young kid, but, you know, when he's coming in early in the first.
3: over to uh, baseball. LSU takes care of business last night, 10-4 to versus Tulane. Really thought going into this, the major storyline will be Nick Storrs making his first appearance for LSU, but leave it to uh, Zach Watson to once again steal the show. Watson with another big night. Uh, leads a 13-hit attack on Wednesday night as he goes 3-for-3 three three at the plate. How nice is it to see Watson back in this lineup and doing his thing? Yeah, well,
4: as it continues, uh, hitting every game since the return from the Springdale Bleak, um, which is kind of what you expect. And I know that's putting the standard pretty high, but that's just how good a player he is. But he was really on display last night after play. He and Daniel Cabrera, I mean, Cabrera went 4-4-4 four four, uh, and was spectacular as well with two doubles. Um, so when you're getting that from, from Watson at the top of the order and Cabrera, who sits back deeper in the order, um, that makes things difficult for opposing pitchers. Uh, Nick Storrs, I think, you know, I don't know, He's coming in, pitching at LSU, highly touted, coming out of Brooklyn, New York, uh, has to have the bone spur removed and then has to, you know, get back to feeling 100%. Um, while that's not a major issue with a pitcher's arm, uh, it is something that takes a little while to get back from. I mean, when you know, just think about it for a moment. They go in and scrape a bone spur off your shoulder. Um, I don't have to throw a baseball for a living or to have a scholarship, but I'd probably be uh, – a little handcuffed for a short period of time, doing the light work that I do. Um, so for him to come in, hit the first two batters, and you know be able to mentally stand up to that, and then finish the inning strong, I thought was impressive. And uh, so I thought that he, both he and AJ Labus, who got into trouble in the top of the third and gave up four runs, and, you know bounced back. And I kudos to Alan Dunn and Coach Paul Maneri, sticking with him there in the top of the fourth inning because he did an excellent job in that top of the fourth. And then after that, the bullpen came in and it was 12 up and 12 down for Tulane.
0: You know, watching that game, watching Tulane go up four to nothing, you had to be sitting there going, man, what's the deal? What What, what is LSU's, you know, reasoning for struggling against Tulane recently uh, to come back and get that 10-4 to four win? I mean, it, it speaks for a pretty big win for this team.
4: Oh, I think it's a great win. You know, Coach Maneri will be the point, first to point out to me when I ask him about it uh, in Nashville tomorrow that... They can't carry those runs over to the game. They can't carry those four shutout innings, uh, five shutout innings to to Nashville. Um, it won't help them on Friday. But I think, you know, from a team confidence standpoint, it is huge. And I think the early losses, frankly, to Southeastern and Louisiana Lafayette had a lot to do with it. Uh, Doug Thompson had told me, um, you know, when the, they lost to the Raging Cajuns, I mean, the Raging Cajuns, dogpiled, you know, we're talking about, what, the first two, two-and-a-half weeks of the season, and they're celebrating like they've won the College World Series. Well, that's because it's a big deal for these state teams. I mean, these players that are from the state of Louisiana grow up and probably at some point or another uh, dream about playing for LSU. It's the biggest program in the state. I mean, let's call it what it is. Um, and then they come in and, and get a chance to take them on. I mean, they're going to play their best, and they always do. But I'm not sure that 17 of the newbies of this team you know, realized that they were getting uh, everything that the other team had. I think they found that out on the road in Southeastern. I think they found that out over in Lafayette. And I think they were taking no chances last night. And they got down early and realized they were going to have to step up their game and exceed uh, what the other team was doing, and they were able to do that. So all in all, offensively and on a pitching staff and an airless ball game, I thought it was a great final tune-up before they go on the road to take on a pretty good Vanderbilt team.
3: Yeah, you mentioned, of course, uh, the Tigers are getting another shot at the Cajuns next week down in Metairie. But first things first, as you get ready to go to Nashville, you know you've probably been doing some prep work for this series against Vandy. What are you expecting against the Commodores?
4: Well, they're a young team, but they they are talented. I don't know that it's the the best pitching staff that Vanderbilt's had, but they do have some talent, especially Friday and Saturday. They were one of two teams last week in the opening conference weekend, you know, to sweep. Albeit against Mississippi State, who I still think is scuffling a little bit from all the, the just before the season started turmoil. Uh, but that being said, it's never easy. I mean, talent is talent, and talent is um, you know all over the place in the SEC. So the sweep of team is not easy to do. So you have to give credit to Vanderbilt. So I look at it this way uh, the players and coaches are, are looking to Friday night game one. I look at it more of a standpoint if you go on the road against the team in Vanderbilt, So you'd be able to play well, possibly win that series, uh, take two out of three, then you come back home to take on that scuffling Mississippi State team. That's not to guarantee that there's are going to lay down uh, next week at the box. But you come away with a you know, two-to-one two series win over Missouri, possibly a two-to-one series win over Vanderbilt, and then set you up nicely at home against the Mississippi State. So early in the season, uh, you're right there uh, in the thick of things. And uh, you know, there's going to be some tougher series coming down the road for sure. Uh, but you certainly want to be off to a good start. You know, you look at teams last year uh, in the SEC. Really, you can take a look at teams every year in the SEC that, for whatever reason, get off to a slow start. It really becomes a daunting task to climb that mountain as we head towards Hoover uh, to get in position not only for hosting a regional, a regional possibly a national seed to host the super regional. Um, so I think it's a good thing for LSU because, again, the biggest factor to me is not that this team is lacking talent. Sure, if they can add Nick Storrs and A.J. Levis and get them up to full speed, it, it, it's going to help the, the depth of the pitching staff. But from a talent standpoint, this is a talented team. Experience and confidence, that may be the biggest difference from 2016 and 2017. Mm. But Should they be able to line things up, get some wins here early over the next Seven, ten, fourteen 10, 14 days, uh, I think that's going to bode well for this
3: team the rest of the season. Chris, uh, enjoy your trip to Nashville. A successful weekend, hopefully, for the LSU Tigers. We'll catch up again next week and perhaps talk a little spring football. Appreciate the time, bud. We'll be listening.
4: All right. You guys come on down. Visit us. We'll be down. You'll find me on Broadway there in Nashville. So come on down. Enjoy the weekend.
3: <laughs> Sounds good, bud. Chris Blair, the voice of the LSU Tigers, joining us every Thursday morning around 8 o'clock or so.
0: Yeah, so are you about ready to unveil our top three?
3: Got a number of texts here we'll get to after the break. Also, you can join the party, 888-993-7762. The Morning Drive is back after this.
5: Whatever car you're looking for, whatever the price for how many doors, cars, trucks, SUVs, the king of the road, car king. We treat you like royalty. We earn your trust and loyalty. You'll be wearing the crown and you'll start to sing. The king of the road, the king of the road, car king. It's grown
2: up. At Taco bandito. It's grown up, green icy. Ooh, it'd be so
6: nice. It's grown up, green icy. At Taco Bandito, Where the cooking and services people.
2: Taco Bandito, It's grown up, grown up, green icy time. Grown up, green icy time. Grown up, green icy time. At Taco Bandito.
1: No matter the weather, a grown up green icy is the perfect way to get through the day or chillax at night. Just come inside Taco Bandito. And as quick as a masked rabbit, you're enjoying a world-famous Grown-Up Green Icy. We've got your Grown-Up Green Icy ready when you come inside Taco Bandito. Taco Bandito on Forsyth Avenue in Monroe and Warren Drive at Cypress Street in West Monroe.
2: It's Grown-Up Green Icy time. Grown-Up Green Icy time. Grown-Up Green Icy time at Taco Bandito.
1: The
6: Morning Drive, sponsored by B.O.R bank of Ruston now in monroe your investment property business and home loan specialist come see bor at our new location 2450 tower drive in monroe or call us at 812 bank bor we are your monroe banking center member fdic equal housing lender now let's get back to the sports on the morning drive this hour is sponsored by car king and monroe
3: all right, we got a number of uh, texts here, uh, David, with a, a good one, a two-parter. Do you all recall the local North Louisiana player who was guarding NC State's Derek Wittenberg, who played for Faisal Amajama, who came within a whisker of stealing the ball and taking it for the uncontested dunk to seal it for Houston, but came up just as short as he got a finger on it, only for Wittenberg, of course, to throw it up to Charles for the game-winning the legacy of Jimmy V was created. Of course, the answer to that question being Benny Anders from Bernice.
5: I didn't know that. Yeah.
3: Awesome. Uh, we had, I uh, remember his former coach on uh, Robert Mitchum on the show. It might have been, maybe you hadn't started yet. Maybe it was last year we had him on. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about it. Uh, David also says Most memorable for me was the infamous Tisdale role as OU knocked off Louisiana Tech in the Sweet 16. His time expired. Tech had knocked off Ohio State and Pitt to reach the Sweet 16 and had a dogfight versus Oklahoma led by Wayman Tisdale. That year being 1985. Yeah, David, actually, at the beginning of the show, we played a a clip from uh, Carl Malone talking about that heartbreaking loss. And as luck would have it, coming up at 8.30, Teddy Allen, who did a fabulous article on that team, and, of course, recalling that moment, that game, he will be joining us at 8.30.
0: Very nice. All right, so we unveil our top three first and then give the calls.
3: Sure, because we uh, differ here. And this is where Jake is once again dead wrong correct. on his top three
0: where he is correct again at right. number three you have number three i have chris weber's timeout uh, all right. at, at four i had lorenzo charles
3: i had chris weber's timeout at number five okay what'd you have at
0: number three
3: number three uh believe villanova won a national championship in dramatic fashion
0: that's your number three yes this is craziest now yeah okay so my number two is actually christian leitner yeah his shots But my number one is Villanova, North Carolina's finish.
3: Obviously, the number one craziest moment has to be uh, Lorenzo Charles with the dunk to win a national championship. The Cinderella story, and for a game to end like that, I actually think there's no debate on this. It's number one. Crazy moments just because Villanova and North Carolina go back and forth, exchanging buckets. And, of course, Nova has a dramatic shot to win the national championship. It's not
0: just that. It's not just that. It's the fact that Villanova was up seventy-four to seventy-one, less than ten seconds to play. Mm-hmm. Here comes Marcus Page mm-hmm. who goes up in the air and readjusts his shot. He readjusts his shot and makes the three pointer to tie it yeah. with four seconds left. Yeah, it was
3: an amazing shot.
0: An incredible shot. And now
3: unfortunately, it's just kind of like a side note to the story. Oh,
0: you don't even want to talk about it. It hurts so bad what happens afterwards yeah. because four seconds left, Nova comes down the court. And they leave Chris Jenkins open, and he yeah. knocks down the three-pointer at the buzzer. Yeah. So when the it's national a great, championship, crazy moment
3: in March 9th. It's
0: the, one, uh, listen, I'll say this. Jimmy
3: V, Valvano, I, the I underdog. It.
0: That's iconic. This yeah. is craziest. I'll say this. I think this is the second craziest ending to a game I've seen mm. behind the kick six.
3: Uh, here's what it sounded like courtesy of
6: CBS two years ago.
4: Ward off, for some wide.
6: Nice screen. Here's Page. Oh, yes! Oh! Oh! They are tough with the inbounds pass. Hit and follow by the guard. I remember, Carolina has one timeout if it wants it. It's Barry. Who had the hot hand from three in the first half. They're going to have to do something from the outside now. It's Page off balance. Puts it oh! Oh! To go. How about that kid? <laughs> they beat him up for the season with his inability to make threes. He kept his composure. This time, the little guy with some major onions to tie this thing up. Incredible. Got away from Ochefu, then had to adjust with Archie Diacono coming after him. How special is this kid? Great student, great kid to talk to, Leadership qualities, qualities above the norm, and lifted his team with a chance now, with four to go. Villanova's got to get a quick push to get it up the floor. I would say, you, hey, look, at, look at the kid there. <laughs> Going to go length of the court with Archie Diacono Three seconds at midcourt. Oh, Jenkins gives it to Jenkins for the championship. <laughs>
0: So nice, you got it twice.
3: That was Nance probably at his best.
0: Nance and Rafferty. Yeah. I loved. I loved. Rafferty two onions stars. references. Two there? two onions in a row. Okay, uh, listen.
3: I understand it's great and it's unbelievable and it's crazy. But also the timeouts and that—if it would have been oh, one, please. I know it's nitpicking a masterpiece. That but really is. Not well, me. when you're trying to compare it to the other two that we're going to talk about next,
0: listen. The, if Marcus Page wouldn't have had to have made an acrobatic shot, mm-hmm. I would agree with you. Yeah. But there was no. He had or what no, happens if
3: there was continuation, too, where they just inbounds the ball? There's not a timeout. They go down, make the shot, go and over to win the game.
0: Sure. I mean, yeah, but I understand yeah. You know, calling timeout. But listen, if that would have been a normal shot, I would agree with you. Yeah. But the fact that it was such an insanely. He had no he had no business making that shot, no business whatsoever. But he made it, and all of a sudden it's a tie ball game, national championship. It was a back and forth great game, and then of course you got the Nova finish with with Chris Jenkins knocking down a three. From in my opinion, that's that's the best man. That's yeah. that's when we had we were spoiled with the you know Alabama Clemson championship game. Then you had that, and you had. Uh, Super Bowl, with I mean, come on.
3: I mean, it was crazy. It was great. It's worthy of being number three. At number two, uh, Christian Leitner back in college basketball, the star power that they had. You knew the names. You knew the faces. And then, of course, you had the prominent programs in Duke and Kentucky. Here's the call. Of course, we've heard it numerous times. Christian Leitner, the second great, craziest moment on my list for March Madness.
6: Quick pass to half court and call a quick timeout so they can get in better shooting range. There's the pass to Leitner. Puts it up. Yes!
3: That's all Vern had to say. Yes, and then the crowd takes over.
0: Here's a different argument for you. Uh That play is crazier than the NC State play. All right. Where's that the play is crazier because he has to throw. Oh, yeah. Not the full length of the floor, but pretty dang close. It's three quarters, yeah. Christian Leitner has to catch it. Yeah. Has to go up and catch it. Yeah. Has, to pivot. A, has to be a perfect pass. Has to go up and catch it. Has to pivot and not down the shot. Yeah. That is a crazier play than, you know, going up and jumping and grabbing a ball that was going to fall short and dunking it in.
3: What says you? 888 993 7762. Stuart Shelby State Farm hotline slash text line. Finally, I've got it at number one. Of course, North Carolina State, the Cinderella story. Survive in advance, and they do it in dramatic fashion.
5: Yes, he he's three guards in there now. As Gannon's in there with Wittenberg and Lowe.
6: Down to 25 seconds. Dangerous pass.
5: This is a really interesting strategy by Houston. They're aggressive now. Not staying back. Well, remember they have a key in there for, to
4: block anything that goes inside. Down to 14 seconds. Oh, almost stolen by Drexler. Boy, oh, is he good at they've that. They've got to drive to the basket. It's down to seven seconds. You can see the time. Wittenberg. Oh,
6: that's a
0: long way. Oh!
3: And we get the dramatic music in bed underneath with the I, orchestra.
0: I thought you were about to break out on him.
3: Oh, how beautiful was that. Oh my God. That's as good as it gets right there. Oh, oh that was
0: beautiful. Good gracious.
3: Tapes, you gotta admit you get goosebumps. I know Tabes pretty well. You got that number one, bud? I do I do have that number one, but that music just completely stepped on the call.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Who mixed that? Oh man. <laughs> Who's your number two, Taves Leitner?
2: <laughs> yeah. I, he, he, I'll
3: give you the argument with Nova Carolina because it was for all the marbles. Yeah. But I still go Charles and Wittenberg and Jimmy V looking for someone to hug. Yeah,
0: Listen, they're all great. Yeah. We're, we really are nitpicking. We're trying yeah, yeah. to order. Well, it. It's top
3: three craziest moments in March Madness history. My goodness.
0: Yeah, what do you expect? Yeah. Hard enough to make a list, let alone rank it. So, uh, yeah. That was fun.
3: Uh, this text really puts it in perspective. Uh, they didn't unnamed text here. Definitely NC State over Houston. I'll never forget. My brother passed away at halftime after a four-year battle with a brain tumor as we watched the game. My dad stated, quote, bless him. He waited until halftime.
0: Mm. Wow. Yeah. Well, that might have just gave you the victory right there. That's good stuff.
3: 888 Louisiana Tech has had some moments, and there was one 33 years ago against Oakland. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't March Madness, it was March Sadness. We'll recap it. And one of the greatest teams that ever suited up for Louisiana Tech and their run in the big dance. You'll hear from Teddy Allen and Carl Malone after
6: the break.
1: The North Louisiana Orthopedic and Sports Medicine Clinic is dedicated to helping you get back to your old self, maybe even better.
2: Brad Parker and his wife Leah opened the Iron Cactus in Calhoun, Louisiana on July 12, 2010, and has made Iron Cactus into a one-of-a-kind restaurant and, in my opinion, the best Tex-Mex in the area. They now have a second location at 428 desired Street in Monroe. Iron Cactus offers a family-friendly environment that's open for lunch and dinner, and also has an array of platters for your catered events. Every time you visit Iron Cactus, You'll find a dedicated and grateful staff with a commitment to deliver the best Tex-Mex, along with the fresh ideas that will make you want to come back again and again. They pride themselves in using fresh food to meet your expectations of a delicious dining experience, and they look forward to serving you in a simple cantina setting. What's better than the Iron Cactus Fajitas? Eating them with a margarita, obviously. They are so excited to announce they are now serving your favorite margaritas, wine, and ice-cold beer in downtown Monroe. 428 Nazeer Street, Monroe, and 1304 Highway 80 East in Calhoun.
6: Local Sports Talk is on the air. On the morning drive, this hour is sponsored by Car King in Monroe. The Bulldogs of Louisiana Tech University and the suitors of the University of Oklahoma. In a tournament classic,
3: the Bulldogs and Sooners win in overtime with three-time All-American Wayman Tisdale looking to create some March Madness. There you go! Oh, yeah.
2: That shot of Wayman Tisdale, if you look at the clock, how that thing rolled around, it was in overtime, it rolled around for six or eight seconds. It hangs,
5: bounces around, and the count hangs there again, and oh. all almost, meanwhile, the clock is running off. At the
2: end, maybe if I could jump just a little bit higher, we still had a shot.
6: There's the lob. Here's the try. They tried to tip it. It did not go. It's all over. They didn't get the point. Oklahoma loss. How long did it take you for you to get over that thing? Took me how long? What are you talking about how long? Are you kidding me? You never get
3: over those. Uh, Good stuff there. Unfortunately, a tough loss. 33 years ago as Louisiana Tech falls to Oklahoma. There you go, Jake. You ask a stupid question like that, sometimes you get a good response the mailman, the Hall of Famer, delivering on that quote. A guy that always delivers and, of course, was there and was a part of it to watch Louisiana Tech versus Oklahoma 33 years ago. Teddy Allen joins us on the Stuart Shelby
4: State Farm Hotline. What up, Teddy? How you doing, bud? Thank you guys for having me, and thanks for working so hard, Aaron and Jake. And, Tage. pleasure to be with you.
3: 33 years ago. Does it feel like it was that long ago?
4: feels more like 32 yeah. weird what time will be. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It's, uh, I went to school with those guys, and I was a graduate assistant, so I knew them and caught a break and that I, you know, had known them, and that helped me covering them that year. Um, and, you know, I talked to some of them all the time, and it's like it was yesterday in a lot of ways. But it wasn't was... 33 years ago.
5: How
3: special of a team was this, and where should they be considered among Louisiana Tech's greats?
4: Um, the three, they could play with any of the ones that I've seen since then. I don't know about some of the ones before mm-hmm. um, before these guys came along, but they had it all. They had a good bench. They had um, you know, a, a four-year starter at Point. They had Carl. They had a shot blocker in Willie Simmons. Playmaker in uh, – Willie Bland, they had a solid guard from Monroe, Allen Davis, who was very dependable. He had 14 in the second half against Oklahoma. And had said at halftime, you know, I'm going to go down and fight, and he had a bad first half. They just had a real good personality about him. They were coached well. Uh, Tommy Joe and Steve Welch and, um, and Andy Russo. Uh, and in that particular game, I mean, well, that team went 29-3 and and Oklahoma mm-hmm. beat them twice. Um, that particular game, they played kind of different than they played all year long. Carl never really ran up and down the floor. You didn't see that till he got in the NBA. And he was just built to just run up and down the floor. And Russo had him playing a lot more conservative. But in that game, Carl started hitting turnarounds from the baseline and uh, shots he really hadn't shot very often all year long and ended up leading the team in scoring. Um, and they were just a good team. They were a fun team to watch. Played pretty loose. Um and, uh, it, and that brought a lot of people a lot of joy. And, and yeah, it's hard to start <laughs> it's, it's been that long ago.
3: Teddy, uh, heading in, of course, they had two huge wins uh, to get to the point going into the rematch against Oklahoma. A lot of young whippersnappers may not remember the name Wayman Tisdale, but the guy was just an incredible college player. What was the buildup like going into this matchup in the Sweet Sixteen?
4: Well, I can, I can. In the pregame thing, they were asking Carl about Wayman Tisdale's game, and the, the thing people won't remember about, if, you, if they hadn't heard of Wayman Tisdale, of course we did. He was a three-time All-American. Was he just lit up the room? He was. He's a very charismatic guy, always smiling, big fella like Carl. Carl's a you know, pretty charismatic, pretty charismatic guy. And before the game, they were asking Carl, "What about Tisdale's game?" And I'm if to say he a real nice game. He said, "Of course, I got a real nice game too." And it was very much anticipated watching those play against each other. The year before, uh, Carl and them had gotten beat in the second round. I think it was by uh, Hakeem Olajuwon and those guys in Houston beat him by about ten. And that was really when Carl kind of got on the map, and and the and the Bulldogs did. Um, but it, it was, a, and they, you know, the game lived up to its billing. Again, it went. Tech it had, had twenty six overtimes back at Chris twenty six turnovers back at Christmas time when they played them and got beat at Oklahoma and then they had only ten or eleven uh, in the overtime loss over, over Union Arena.
3: Teddy, by the way, that
4: being, they, they, uh, yeah, they, just i was just gonna ki- say in the, in the in the first and second round they had they had annihilated Ohio State and hmm. Pittsburgh too. They were they just wiped the floor with them.
3: What do you recall from the the post game conversations? Because I mean, what a just a heartbreaking way to lose. The fact that the ball literally hung hung up there on the rim for four or five seconds before falling in
4: for Oklahoma. Yeah, Godbolt Robert Godbolt was uh, one of the non Louisiana boys on the team. There were just a couple. Most of them were Louisiana kids, and uh, he had said he'd got two fingers on it. And if you've watched the replay, you can see from behind he jumps up and alters the shot a little bit and hits off the backboard. He said, "It must have." I mean, Russo said it must have stayed up there 10 minutes. And, you know, Carl said, I didn't think it was ever going to come down. And they were they were disappointed, but they played about as well as they could. Wayne Smith from over in Shreveport, the four-year starter at point guard, who had the assist record until Speedy Smith broke it a couple of years ago, and Wayne was the first guy to, to call him and congratulate him. But Wayne was like two of eleven from the field, but the hoop the, the, was just like the size of a a Coke bottle top or something for him that game. He didn't play as well as he wanted, although he did have eight assists and only, like, two turnovers. But that team was kind of like that. If somebody played poorly, the rest of them picked it up, and they did feel they played about as well as they could. They they were very disappointed because they they felt like they would match up well against Memphis. I remember that's what all the coaches were talking about Um, during the week. If we can beat these guys, I think we can beat Memphis, who was anticipated to win their game, and they did. Oklahoma, of course, went to the final four, and got beat by Villanova, who beat Georgetown. Mm-hmm. And so the thing was, after it was all over with, you, you were just thinking, gee whiz, Tech came close to being, you know, doing something that Villanova ended up doing.
3: It just shows the, the luck that you have to have to make a magical run, whether you're George Mason or the likes of a butler, and Louisiana yep. Tech was literally that close.
4: Yeah, they were because they were really that good. They were really that good. Again, 29-3, um, Indiana won it the next year with four losses, I believe. And so, I mean, that's a—you lose three games. Like Russo said after the game, if you go 29 and three, it's really hard to find any negatives in a season in a season like that. If the ball had just swished through that Tisdale shot, who knows? Uh, They still had a shot at it with two seconds left. They ran it long inbounds, called timeout, and then Wayne threw one up toward the rim to crawl, but he couldn't have been maybe two feet farther. Carl might have had a chance to get his hand on it, but as, as it was, he couldn't corral it. And um, spectacular game of basketball. And credit Billy Tubbs. And, and we'll see, they went to the Final Four two years later and lost to Kansas in that high scoring game in Camper Arena. But, uh, you know, when they caught, came out of their timeout, they did what you or I, I hope we would do if we were coaches. They said, throw it to the All American. And so that's what they did. And Tisdale made it.
3: Teddy Allen joins us on the Stuart Shelby State Farm Hotline as we kind of look back 33 years ago when uh, Louisiana Tech squared off against Oklahoma. Teddy, we never get tired of hearing the story about how the nickname, the mailman, came about.
4: Okay. (laughs) Well, I wish it were more dramatic, but me and uh, Bill Campbell and Tom Burnett, who's actually on the NCAA selection committee and is in Atlanta today, we were all working for Keith Prince. And... um, it was about time to go eat, and me and Bill were in the basement of the, you know, sports information office at, at the stack. And we just got to thinking, I said, well, I wish we'd come up with a nickname for this guy who's getting good. He'd been the player of the year the year before. I think he was a sophomore at this time. And so we would always type up these fact sheets for the game to give to the media. And we'd have, like, a one-legged guard from, uh, you know, North Texas who had never been called for traveling and just stupid stuff we'd put in there. I said, I think, let's name him, uh, I said, Postman Milan, what do you think about that? And, and Bill really liked that. And But the movie, the Postman Always Delivers Twice was out at the time, and that's what made me think of that. Then I thought, no, Mailman is more literature. Mailman Milan, and we can say, uh, you know, he always delivers. And I said, if you see Carl there, ask me if that's okay. So Bill went and asked Carl, Carl lit up like a Christmas tree. He ended up getting Mailman spray-painted on the side of his truck. And you know, then it just caught on. It helped that he turned out to be so good. Otherwise, the nickname would have died once he took off his tech jersey for the last time. So, I never made a dime off of it. By the way, you don't give. Yeah, you don't. You don't sell. You know, nobody ever says, "Hey, who sold him that nickname? <laughs> who gave you the nickname?" And it just helped that he was so good.
5: Mm
3: uh teddy great stories and uh hey are you, we always enjoy having you on uh, the week of the masters you're like our correspondent uh are, are you making plans again please tell me you are
4: oh man yeah let's do that I tr- yeah let's try to hang next uh, couple weeks from now if the good lord lets me get over there safely we will try to get that done that'd be fun i can report uh, what, what whatever what are I can. your plans what are your plans well i don't know when i'm going to leave yet uh but I plan to be over there at least by Wednesday. But maybe I'll go. Maybe I'll go um, Sunday and get over there Monday. I got to figure that out. Still a yeah. few days away. I got to. I, I got to think. But you will have you will have boots on the ground by at least Wednesday. Excellent, excellent. And yeah. uh, of course, uh, you
3: will be uh, fully compensated, just like uh, with the royalties for the mailman. So uh, well done.
4: Exactly, exactly. The <laughs> pat on the back. Way to go, Daddy. Good job. But it's a pleasure be a- with y'all, man.
3: Yeah, Teddy, once again, I appreciate the time, man. Good stuff there. Thanks for taking a walk down memory lane with us.
4: Okay, if anybody wants to read more about it, Aaron, just tell them to go to designatedwriters.com. Don't cost anything. And there's a story there and a couple more stories uh, about Mark's Madness and other stuff.
3: Awesome. Thank you, Teddy. Okay, you my know.
4: brother. Thank you all for working so hard. See ya. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Signature.
3: How, how about that story?
0: That's good, man. That's really good. Getting it spray painted on his truck. That's funny too.
3: 888 It's the Stuart Shelby State from Hotline slash Text Line. Coming up after the break, our parting shots. Plus, we look ahead to a big night of
2: college basketball. We're back after this.
1: jessica ladue member and employee for washita valley federal credit union becoming a member of washita valley is much easier today memberships are now open to anyone who lives works worships attends school or owns a business in any of our seven parishes that we serve our goal is to offer you personal banking and to make sure you're getting the best rates possible Washtenaw valley currently serves caldwell franklin jackson lincoln
5: Good morning. Here's latest weather conditions for our area. Mostly sunny skies with warm temperatures today in a high of 72 degrees. Mostly clear skies not quite as cool tonight a low 48. Plenty of sunshine on tap for tomorrow with a high of 78 degrees.
6: Grab another cup of coffee and keep tuned to The Morning Drive. This hour is sponsored by Car King and Monroe. Congratulations, Jake.
0: Thank you
3: now that is a millennial thing you just say not for what but you say thank you thank you i appreciate it
0: you're not gonna ask for what no i i just for being me right (laughs) for what i'll play along
3: uh richie uh, texan says for me i'll take nova i guess it's a millennial
0: thing congratulations to me exactly i win
3: all right, let's get to some uh, odds and ends before we get to our parting shots. As we talked about at the beginning of the show, uh, Louisiana Tech with a big win last night versus uh, ULM. They knock off the Warhawks 6-1. to one. The storyline in this ball game was, of course, uh, Tyler Fallis just uh, an incredible pitching performance. Goes seven innings, does not give up a hit, ends up giving up a run, but it was not earned. Uh, he has a no-hitter going into the eighth inning. He's really running out of gas, and Lane Burroughs has to make the decision to go out there and get him afterwards. Uh, and I, I joked with the coach as he came. I said, hey, thanks for ruining a great storyline. <laughs> <laughs> and he knew where I was going. And then, yeah. of course, in his post-game press conference, he mentioned he told the players as he's leaving the dugout, get ready, I'm about to get booed. <laughs> he went out there to get a pitcher that has a no-hitter into the eighth. But I think a majority of the people, including some of the media, Understood the kid had thrown uh, 109 109? pitches on. at that point. Yeah. Still needed six more outs for the no-hitter.
0: Yeah, that's a no-brainer. Yeah. I mean, sure, in a perfect world, you'd like to see him be able to close that out. But 109 pitches, yeah. And, and like, like Coach Burrow said, uh, he wasn't exactly fighting me out there for it.
3: But yeah. also in the perfect world, you want Tyler Fallis for uh, later down uh, the season, correct? Absolutely. Especially when you're talking about a kid now that has lowered his ERA to a minuscule school. 0.77 on the year. It's tossed 23 and a third innings this year, just giving up two earned runs and striking out 21. When we thought Louisiana Tech's team ERA couldn't get any better, they go out and they don't give up an earned run last night. They give up, what, three on uh, Tuesday night versus Northwestern State?
0: Yeah, so I haven't checked uh, Leal's latest ERA after giving up three runs, but. Heading into this week, you had two, the two midweek starters both had ERAs under one, which is just incredible. Mm. Uh,
3: Now, Louisiana Tech goes on the road to take on UAB. Bulldogs starting into some national love as now they are at what 17 and six on the year. LSU takes care of business versus Tulane last night. 15th ranked Tigers win 10 to four. Zach Watson, the former Aaron's ace, West Washtenaw standout. The star of this game, or one of the big stars, as he goes 3-for-3. Ever since coming back from that injury, he has been tearing
0: it up. Yeah, since coming back, 20 hits and 41 at-bats with 12 RBI. Yeah, he's been on fire. Let's get
3: to our parting shot.
4: I deal in reality, Dietrich. I don't deal in some some hair highlighted Guy Fieri wannabe fantasy land. That's the
6: most negative statement that I hear from fans and media ever.
4: So I'd really rather not have any more questions about is it okay to lose this game? It's never okay to lose a game. C-
3: congratulations. Uh, oh.
5: Congratulations. I lost. You lost. Yes. Oh,
3: I was told that you won. I'm sorry. Uh, okay, c'est français, Ben is on top of these stats. Uh, Follis and Miller now ranked 9th and 13th, respectively, in the country in ERA.
0: <laughs> Nasty. Yes. So, we got a little taste of Nick Saban there. I figured we could have a little more of Nick Saban. Uh, so, spring practice. He's probably in a good
3: mood, right? He's out no, smelling the flowers.
0: No, he's not in a good mood. He had his quarterback get hurt, Tua. Yeah. Injured his thumb on his throw so
3: what's to his last
0: name? Uh, t- 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 <Eren şu> and so <laughs> anyway, he has been a little testy because it's that it, Saban's always testy. Let's face it. But this is what I get annoyed with too. Spring ball comes, of course, reporters. You have to ask all these questions. You have to ask about how many reps is so and so getting? Who's who, the backup left? Who's guard? the backup left guard? How, who, how many? How much time is he yeah. getting? Yeah. Blah blah blah. And so, especially you
3: when practices are closed too, so the only information you're getting is coming from the head coach.
0: Exactly. So you have to ask those questions. I'm not, you know, hating on reports for asking. Them. You have to ask them. But it's really silly when you think about it. It's just spring ball. They're still trying to figure out who's gonna, who's going to go where. But you have
3: to fill space.
0: You have to fill space. And so, anyway, Nick Saban. Here's another classic uh, quote where he just gets off on a, you know, not. Not, uh, I guess welcoming the spring practice questions. Here, Here's what he has to say before any of the media members could even ask him.
4: Both those guys have been great. I mean, I know that every time I stand up here, you all going to try to make something out of it that it isn't. It's two good players uh, that both can contribute to our team and we're going to both give them an opportunity to do that. I, I don't really have anything to say. Uh, I know you all want me to make something up that really isn't there so you can make a big deal out of this, but it's a competition just like there is at every other position. Now I'm sure your next question is, is how many reps is he getting and who's he splitting time with and who's he competing with and what team's he on and where's he at on the depth chart? None of which we have an answer for. So I'll just take the questions right out of your mouth.
6: Uh, Obviously you changed over your coaching staff uh, significantly.
4: What what was the overall? I didn't have a choice. I know. I I mean, you make it sound like I did it on purpose.
0: I love that man oh really i do i, I can't get enough he's
3: in mid-season four
0: already man. i mean he's just he's not here for your bull he's not <laughs> he does he doesn't have time for it he's not gonna stand up there for it i love it it does suck
3: for him though and the, the turnover that he's had in his coaching staff i so. mean come on and they don't miss a beat
0: he never misses a beat it doesn't matter who they lose and that's you know and that's what I always go back to is, you know, people love to compare their coaches to Nick Saban, but you just can't do it. He's one of a kind. He's the GOAT. And it doesn't matter who he has to replace. He's going to replace it, and he's going to be in a championship form by the end of the season.
3: So they've got a quarterback controversy like LSU does.
0: <laughs> yeah, very similar. Yes. Very, very similar to LSU, yes. You hit that one on the nose, Aaron.
3: <laughs> Tim says, I hate him. <laughs> well, Jake over here saying he loves it. I do
0: love Saving. I've always loved Saving. <laughs> he's great at what he does. He's he's doesn't you know. There's no real smoke and mirrors with him. He'll tell you how he feels. I had
3: no choice. <laughs>
0: yeah, I like that. I like that about Saving. Uh,
3: what else you got? That was pretty good. I hadn't heard that.
0: My other parting shot was a billboard um, in Kansas. So there's this. Can, uh, this kansas website called saveksfb.com mm-hmm. where of course you know they're trying to fire the athletic director and you know it, trying to raise money for it. anyway they raised enough money for a billboard that read <laughs> it says kansas football in big letters and then under it, it says in, in quotes the most incompetent thing i've seen in major sports and that quote came from dan Lebetard of ESPN. anyway this is Right in Kansas, right on their major uh, interstate, and uh, for everyone to see. I thought that was funny. By the way, Kansas, 3 and 33 in the last three seasons.
3: But what about these recruiting classes? That continue it, yeah, to what
0: about their success in New Orleans? Yes. <laughs> it's going to bring some wins. Yes.
3: Uh, March Madness tonight, we look forward to Sweet 16 matchups. We got four of them Loyola versus Nevada. That's your first one. That is an 11 versus 7 matchup. Texas A&M versus Michigan, that one will tip around 637 our time. Kansas State versus Kentucky, that's a nine versus five. And then the late game will be Florida State versus Gonzaga. So of those four, which one are you looking forward to seeing the most? I would say I expect, anticipate Kentucky, now this is the kiss of death, to take care of Kansas State. Michigan, Texas A&M ought to be pretty darn good.
0: It should be great because Michigan is the hottest team in the country. Still, and A&M just absolutely pummeled North Carolina and turned a lot of heads. You know, they played an awful first half in the first round against uh, Providence, but since the second half of that game, they've been unstoppable. So I want to see if they can continue to have that success against a Michigan team that has—I lost track how many games they've won in a row. Um, they've been so hot. So that has my most. Interest? Are you one of those people who are going to sit down and ride and die with Loyola Chicago, rooting them on? I am it?
3: curious to see how they handle the success that they've had. But then also you look at the Wolfpack from Nevada being a seven seed. They're kind of going through similar uh, circumstances when they come back to campus and now leave and they got this matchup. Uh, we'll see. Uh, Loyola, Illinois would be a, uh, continue to be a fantastic story. And then finally, that uh, Seminoles versus Gonzaga game, the 9 versus 4.
0: Yeah, Florida State-Gonzaga should be a pretty good game. Florida State, when they're hot, when they're on, they can beat some of the best teams in the country, and they've proven that all year. If you look at their, their big wins this season, they, they've they got some big ones in the ACC. So, yeah, don't count Florida State out of that matchup, uh, and you should know not to count out anybody. It's March Madness.
3: And locally, we've got a couple big high school baseball games tonight that we'll be keeping close tabs on.
0: Yes, we got Rustin taking on West Monroe at West Monroe. That one... Uh, first pitch is at 6 o'clock. And then you got Neville traveling over to West Washita. believe they uh, start at 6 o'clock as well.
3: All right, let's end with this. Uh, Matt uh, Texan says, no smoke and mirrors with Saban. That's exactly what he's about. Richie says LSU fans will deny it. But if Sabin wanted to come back, they'd roll out the red carpet in a heartbeat. Tim follows up his uh, statement about saying that he hates Saban to saying Saban
0: is a jerk. Well, he's a jerk who wins football games, so. They would roll out the red carpet indeed, Richie.
3: After a uh, rocky start, I think we uh, ended strong in the last hour and 45 minutes of this show. And I think we did establish what is the greatest and craziest moment from March Madness. And Villanova. that being Lorenzo Charles and, of course, the dunk to win a national championship.
0: Villanova, baby.
3: Hopefully we'll have another uh, magic moment from March Madness to talk about tomorrow morning.
0: Yes, hopefully so.
3: Fantastic job on the board. John Tabor, of The Edge, is coming up next. Everybody have a fantastic day. We'll yell
6: at you bright and early tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Thanks for joining us on 97.7's Morning Drive. Come back every weekday at 7 a.m. for The Morning Drive on 97.7.
2: mean they're not going to draft a quarterback it means they're going to draft a developmental quarterback yes the browns and john dorsey have learned from their past they are almost forced to draft a quarterback at number one overall on the other hand tyrod taylor is fine you can actually go to the playoffs with tyrod taylor if the rest of the team around you and if you're going to develop to draft a developmental guy it's not going to be baker mayfield He's kind of already developed.
6: The Doug Gottlieb Show.
2: He's good, you know, he really is.
6: Weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific.
2: On Fox Sports Radio.
1: Of course my kid's in the right car seat. Well, I think he is.
6: Yeah, my kid's in a booster seat. He was ready to move up. He is ready,
1: right? Her car seat looks like the right size.
6: There are probably rules on when to move up to
2: a booster seat, aren't there? Rear facing,
1: forward facing, I think I have it right.
2: Car crashes are a leading killer of children 1
6: to 13. Are your children in the right car seat for their age and size? Don't think
2: you know, know you know. Go to safercar.gov slash the right seat.
1: I know my child's in the right car seat, or else I wouldn't get in the driver's seat.
5: Brought to you by the National
3: Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.
2: Hear that? That's the sound of safety, and the sound of your family's belongings staying where they belong. In times like these, it's important to know how to protect your home, your family, and your valuables. A good strong lock on a solid door and frame can make a huge difference. Most burglars will spend no longer than a minute trying to break in. That's only as long as this radio announcement. Remember to lock your doors and windows. Even the best locks can't protect you, unless you use them. Install bright outdoor lighting. If you have an alarm system, use it. And post signs that say your home has an alarm. Trim bushes and trees so your house is clearly visible to your neighbors and your street. If you ever return home to find that someone has broken in, do not enter. Call the police immediately. To learn more on how to keep your home and family safe, visit ncpc.org. That's NCPC. Thanks for listening to the best of the morning drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts.